You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. I guess by way of introduction, um, I stand before you today overwhelmed by Jesus. Um, All week as I was preparing, there was this phrase in my head that the Holy Spirit was speaking that Jesus is the prism of creation. We read it in John 1, we read it in Romans 11, about how all things, everything, every rock, tree, every mountain and valley, every breeze, it was all created when the light of God spoke and struck Jesus. He is the prism of creation. It is astounding who he is and for us and what he has done for us. I mean, we just, the depth of his creation is, boggles the mind. We just sang. In order for us to sing, he had to invent harmony and chords and he had to invent atoms and molecules by which these waves and frequencies would travel to our ears so that we could all sing together. He invented that in the moment of creation. He invented peace. He created joy. He created faith. All of these things we enjoy because of Jesus. They are all by Him, for Him, and through Him. And, you know, I mentioned faith. It's, it's amazing that in the, in the moment of creation, He authored something such as faith. And then he was born into the earth, and he perfected it. He walked perfectly in his creation, in a world that received him not. And he finished that which he created. He modeled it for us, so that we could walk in that same faith, because that's the faith he has given us, his faith. And last year, he authored for us a year of great faith. I don't know what I expected. Like... I think when dad said that 2019 was going to be a year of great faith, I think I heard a great year of faith rewarded. (laughs) I think that's what I heard. That's pretty naive. Um, We have been given fullness of faith, but we also have to learn to access that fullness, to walk in that fullness. And he does that, and he tells us over and over again, he does that through trials. Um, In many areas of my life, 2019 was probably the hardest year on record. Um, I'm not going to give the full minutia of it. Um, But in the fall, some, uh, some difficulty began that would threaten my livelihood and provision of my family. Um... And when it first came to light, I sat down with the Lord and I asked, what do I need to know in this season? And he spoke to me, Psalm 33, and he spoke um, verses 17 through 19, which basically promises and assured that I will save you from death and famine. If you will walk after me, if you will follow after me, I will save you from death. And uh, I feel like it was close a couple of times. (laughs) Um, And... There was a couple, even with that promise, there was a couple, a night 
probably two, three weeks after that, where a lot of promise that appeared in first prayers, none of it made. None of it became reality. And in fact, trended the opposite direction. Um, And I was sitting with Carrie and I was like, I don't think anybody sees this. Like, I don't think my business partners see it. I don't think God sees it. I don't think he's looking at what I'm looking at. And I was frustrated in my spirit. And in between these lines, this frustration, this speaking out of, of really being honest of where I was, but speaking these things out, I heard the Holy Spirit say, how can you trust me for tomorrow if you don't trust me for today? Oh my goodness, he hit me in the face. I mean, in a very loving way. But he hit me right in the face. He was correct. I wasn't trusting him today. Even in the promise, I was looking for what was coming, what should be coming, what should be happening because of the promise, because of the things that were out there to be the the thing that sustained, to be the thing that brought us into the next thing. And it didn't get any better. Like I said, okay, Lord, I trust you for today. I will trust you for today. I will not think about tomorrow. I will trust you for today. And still, the trend was going the wrong direction. Um, and all along this way, you'd think I would be happy. He has spoken to me. I would be at rest. But all of this way, in the dark of the night when it was just me awake, it was me in anxiety, me in fear, doing battle. And I told Carrie multiple times, from the picture that's out there, I should not be where I met. And I don't mean like in my faith or my experience, but in what was going on. So it either feels like God is trying to put an end to this, or Satan is working against it. But I can't tell which because I know God well enough to know that his purposes aren't always accomplished through bubble gum and gumdrops. It's not always easy. He, he, will do, he will do something that looks difficult and feels hard to accomplish his purposes. So I didn't really know what was going on in the spirit. Over Thanksgiving, I got the flu. And Friday night after Thanksgiving, because for some reason, my bed was the hardest thing I'd ever laid on, and the floor was a soft pillow. I don't know why it feels that way in the fever, but I was on the floor in our closet. And it was me and anxiety again. Because I was still searching for that victory. I had the promises, but... Something had to change for it to be real to me. Something had to change in me to accept it and to live in it. Um, And I was watching videos, Overcoming Anxiety, Dr. Charles Stanley, Overcoming Anxiety, um, I forget who else I listened to. But then I came across a Brian Johnson Testimony. He and his wife lead Bethel's worship. And I, had know, I knew that he had suffered a, a nervous breakdown three years prior, three or four years ago. 
And his talk was testimony of how God brought him back. And toward the and as I, I knew that this man knew. This man knew where I was. This man knew what was in my heart, and so his words rang true to me. And he came to the end of his talk, and he said, Blessed are those who know their only hope is the Lord. And it was the voice of Christ in my ear. It was as though I was on the hill and he was sitting down giving the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who know their only hope is in the Lord. I mean, for me, anxiety feels like a mourning for something that hasn't happened yet. So to me, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted was real to me in that moment. God set me free of anxiety in the dark of that closet as I watched Brian Johnson speak on YouTube. Um, And he worked in me from that moment a patience that a real faith can bring. I I, I would try to have faith. I would say I had faith over the course of the fall, but there was no patience. There was no waiting. There was only anxiousness. And when is this going to change? And when Carrie and I left for Missouri... He was the only hope, but I was at peace. In those hours, in those dark hours in that closet, God made me stare at failure. I kept resisting these images that were coming, and I realized, no, these images are him. He's showing me my failure. He's showing me what failure looks like, what it means for my family. He made me stare at it. He made me accept it. And in accepting my failure, heavenly peace came. Heavenly rest came. Because I learned that the miracle that I was looking for would come, whether it came came from where I was looking, how I was looking, or what I was depending on. I could rest in Him, not in what I saw around me. So we left for Missouri. Things were bleak. It was, the, it was the end, um, unless something changed. And Thursday before Christmas, I woke up because of a dream I had had. And I, I prayed about it, and afterwards I had some time, so I read Jeremiah. And in Jeremiah, it says that God showed him his first vision, and he said the, fig, the, the almond tree was budding. And I've always thought, well, what is that about? I have no idea. But... I didn't bother to look up, look it up. And I went to ElijahList.com. I don't know if you know that website, but it's a, it's a website that posts encouraging words and prophetic words. And I hadn't been in a while. I opened it up, and the second heading was, The season of delay is done. The almond tree is budding. And I thought, well, this is for me. This is appointed. This is anointed in this moment. And I opened it, and I read it. And this woman began to describe how God had showed her in this season over the fall that Satan was working to delay God, to delay and bring a war against timing and a war against time so that he could bring fear and anxiety in the hearts of believers and the hearts of the saints. And she began to quote scripture and it was all the scripture that I had read over the fall. It was conversations that I had had with my daughter, with Dorothy, learning about Jericho, just written on the page in front of me. And then she said, the Lord showed me last week that the season is done. 
the war on time is over. And in the authority of that word, he said, in, the almond tree is budding. The winter is over. The spring is coming. That's what the almond tree is. It's the first bud after winter. And so I took that word that God had just given me and I prayed it with Carrie. And I said, the season and the authority that Christ has given, the season is done. I put an end to delay by the power of the name of Christ Jesus that is in me now. And I open unto myself, but all those that are, have been caught in this war, the blessing that the God has appointed. That day, many of the jobs that were appointed for August made in that single day, things that we had been waiting on for months became. The day ended very different than it began. And I was telling my relatives, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law about it, and I said, you know, I don't use the word miracle willy-nilly. I've seen them. I know what they are. I don't just throw it around. But today, for me, was a miracle. So in this season of learning, because that's what trials are, there's seasons of learning, there's seasons of pruning. What have I learned? What have I discovered? Well, I've discovered what we all know, that God has made the fullness of his kingdom available to us. And that that fullness has satisfied my every need. It is a provision that lives over me in the heaven. Heavens are open. It's knowledge that we have, that we have learned well. That in part for me was still concept. I knew part of it for real, but it became, all of it became real. And in this, I am left with one thing. Before I tell you what that is, I want to take a step back because Parker mentioned it this, this morning as he was opening the service. That a few weeks ago he spoke about an elevation change. And as he spoke, I said, yes, God, what does it mean to change elevation? I wrote the note there in my, and I told Carrie, I've said yes, whatever it is, I want it, but I don't have any idea what it means. What does changing elevation in the kingdom mean? Well, during trial, we learn whatever it is that God has put in front of us. But the greatest part of the trial is the intimacy with him we discover. It is the greatest part. It is the part that is worth more than gold. It is the intimacy we discover. And it is the intimacy when the trial ends that we don't want to lose. How quickly the, the pain of the trial fades. But how that longing stays for that intimacy. That is the real prize of the trials that we walk through. And it is the thing that is supposed to remain. It is not a thing that is supposed to fade as the difficulty ends. It is the elevation change. Elevation change in the kingdom is simply increased intimacy with the Father. To be closer to His heart. To know His Son more. To understand His Spirit more deeply. That's what it means to, be change, to change elevation, is to increase in intimacy with God. And so what was I left at the end of the trial? Hunger. Hunger. For 
for me, the year of great faith is giving way to a year of great hunger. And I want to, I want to tell you and make sure that you understand that this is a hunger that is built on the shoulders of fullness. We have been given everything required for light, for life, and for righteousness. It is all made ours through Christ Jesus and through, our, through his indwelling spirit. There is nothing that we lack. Any provision that we need for our families, for our workplaces, it is all appropriated. It is all there, stored for us, ready for his timing to be released. Every bit of peace, every bit of joy, every bit of hope, every bit of faith that we would need on our days on the earth is already appointed. It was made ours by Christ Jesus. Uh, John 1.16 tells us that he has shared his fullness with us. So even the fullness that I have in me is not of me, but it is in him and maintained by him and secured by him. I have the fullness of the kingdom, yet I hunger. I hunger desperately. Because in his kingdom, fullness produces hunger. You've heard, some of you have heard me teach on the logos of Jesus. The logos, if you don't know that illustration, it's an ancient Greek uh, notion that, that existed before it was applied to Jesus in John chapter 1. It was this notion of an all-binding truth that held all opposites together. So when John opens his gospel, he takes that image and says, the one that you have searched for, that logos, the one that binds all together, is Jesus. And an ancient philosopher took a stick off of a tree, sharpened both ends, put them together in a circle. That's the Logos. That's why we labor to enter into rest. And that's why in his kingdom, fullness produces hunger. And we can only hunger after him till we are secure in that fullness. He will not introduce um, something that he will not introduce hunger until fullness is secure. Because if, if fullness is not secure, what we will begin to hunger after is the things of God. We will hunger after prophecy. We will hunger after blessing. We will hunger after, we'll hunger after peace. We'll hunger after joy. All of the things that he made, we will hunger after. But that's not what hunger is intended for. Fullness secures all of that. Hunger places us face to face with Jesus. That's what our hunger is about. It is about a person. It is about a God that will not leave us or forsake us. To know him in his nature. It is the thing that pulls me into my laundry room and to turn on the dryer so I can't hear what's happening in my house and set on an exercise ball over a dirty clothes hamper. Because that's the quietest place I can find in my home. I have to turn on noise to find quiet in my house. My children somehow know that I am awake if I am in any other place than the laundry room. It's amazing. Doesn't matter what time of day or night it is, they know I'm up. But there over that hamper, God is pulling my heart. He is pulling me deeper in that same laundry room months ago, the Holy Spirit planted a thought. And that thought was 
teach me Jesus. Teach me Jesus. And that's what he's done through trial. He has taught me the heart of my Savior toward me because all the fullness that I live in is his anyway. And he's given me that, so I'm secure in him. And now I don't look at all of that. I don't have to desire after those things. I desire after the one who gave them to me. God has made us many promises. (laughs) He has fulfilled many promises. He has told us that a Holy Spirit tornado would come from this place. He has told us that we would be the fourth pillar under the next great move of God. He has made us these promises. (laughs) Oh, baby. (laughs) Okay. those things don't come about because we hunger after them they don't happen because we desire them because we intercede for them because we contend for them those things happen because we contend for more of Christ those things happen because we are hungry after him We hunger after him in the private place. We hunger to see his name be made great in the public place. That hunger drives us forward and becomes our premier focus. So that when I am alone in my laundry room and I open this word, I'm not looking to learn it academically. I am searching for Jesus in every line. When I close my eyes to pray, it is not because I want a bunch of stuff, it's because I want Him. When I go to get groceries, I've got to get food, but I am there because He wants to make His name great in that place. He wants to make His name known everywhere we go. And I want to tell you that there is No being on the face of the earth that hungers after the return and the presentation of Jesus in the earth more than the Holy Spirit within you. In John, we're told to worship. Worship Him in spirit and in truth. Well, the truth is that I have all things I need through Christ. I am secure in Him. But the Spirit, the Spirit and the bride say, come. And it's not on that day. It's not on that far off day. It's today and every day. The Spirit in us and the bride together say, come Lord Jesus, make your name great. Change us because we see you. Not because we're being prepared for something, though we are and that's great. But we're changed because we look into his face. And we change from glory to glory. I can't tell you what a year of great hunger looks like. I can't tell you what it brings. What I can tell you is it doesn't matter. 
when we press into our hunger after Jesus, we are like Peter in his first steps as he hits the water. The impossibility of where we walk doesn't matter. The waves don't matter. The wind doesn't matter. And even on the other side of that coin, blessings matter nothing. All that matters is the face in front of you. All that matters is Jesus. I am overwhelmed by my Savior. I can't make, and this isn't a declaration that I can make for you. God is opening this to us because over years now he has taught us. He has taught us the fullness that we have in Jesus. And we have learned it well. I don't think I'm the only person who walked through a very difficult 2019. I know enough about him to know that what I experience in my life is deeply connected to what you experience in yours. So when he's working these things in me, he's working them and lives around me too. Because he is wanting to change our elevation. He's wanting to change our intimacy with him. I know that we do not preach, and rightly so, ritual. We don't preach um, legalistic things, things that we do by obligation. But I will tell you, when you hunger after Jesus, he will pull you into the secret place. You will be jealous after his word. You will be jealous after the written word, the logos word, and the rhema word. Because it all reveals Jesus, it all brings Jesus. You will be hungry after the face of the Father. You will be hungry after the word of the Spirit. Because they both want the elevation and the, and the lifting high of Jesus' name as well. They are after one thing. The glory of Jesus in the earth. Do you want to know what amazes me most about our Savior? Is that His glory is humility. The shining radiance of His beauty is humility. Here is one who received the light of God in the beginning and created all things. I know that seems like an esoteric thing. It seems like far out of our reach. But you're sitting on a chair because Jesus made it. You walk on the ground because Jesus made it. You breathe because Jesus made air. He is everything. He is in everything. The fact that we have unity is simply the continuity of Christ through all things. How could we not hunger after this one? How could we not join with our Father, join with His Spirit, and yearn after the greatness of Christ in the earth? How could we not burn to know Him more deeply in the secret place? To know Him for ourselves and for our heart. This one who made all of this, set all these things in motion, made himself lower than the angels for us, for all of us. And as I'm saying this, you can make it personal for me. He made himself lower than the angels. 
And instead of proclaiming his own name, he proclaimed the name of the Father. That we would understand the Father. In all things Christ did, humility reigned. That's astounding. We have been given many promises. And we are awaiting them. But they don't happen until we hunger after Christ. Above all things. They cannot be entrusted to a people who do not, who do not hunger after Jesus. They cannot be released into hearts who will not use them to give glory to the one who glory belongs to. We want the promises of God. I know this sounds strange to say, but forget the promises of God and run after Jesus. Run after Jesus. It will be a strange year. If you will do, if you will do this, if you will say, and it's not something you can conjure. You can't conjure hunger. Hunger is a blessing from the Holy Spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. That means it is a blessing. It is a blessing and a gift from the Holy Spirit to hunger after Jesus. To hunger to see his name made great. It will be a strange year. But we will see the glory of his humility displayed over and over and over and over again as others are delivered His prophetic words are made reality. There's a a conference every year, or it's been going for a while in Orlando, called the Jesus Conference. Um, And at the end of it, I heard, just in passing in a prayer, Benny Hinn made the comment that when Jesus is elevated, the Spirit descends. And that captured my imagination. Because the fullness of the Spirit is within me, but the fullness of the Spirit is everywhere. He is in the breeze that describes Him as a wind. And He can descend still. I can tell you, I've laid flat on my back in this spot, unable to lift my head, unable to move my arms or my legs because the Holy Spirit was pressing down on me so firmly. I couldn't get my hand to my face to wipe my tears. We have the fullness of the Spirit. We are secure in the fullness of Christ. But if we will hunger after Him, if we will exalt His name in this place, the Spirit will fall. It happened in Acts 1 and 2 when He ascended. Who came? The Spirit. It happened again in Acts 4 when Peter is released from prison and they pray together. They are praying for the, the lifting of the name of Jesus that his name would be great when they preached with boldness. And that as all healings came and signs and wonders came through the glorious name of God's child, Jesus. What happened as they lifted his name high? The Spirit fell upon them again. All through the Acts. If we want to walk in the power that is promised, we will lift his name high. 
If we want to see prophetic words come to pass, we will lift his name high. If we want to see all of the things that we read in the word that happened in those days be the the evidence before our eyes, today we will lift high the name of Jesus. It will be the premier element in our life. We will pursue him with our whole heart everywhere we go. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.